and welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we are going to be looking at the case of reference by the Attorney General for Northern Ireland, and the citation for this case is 2022 UKSC 32. This week we have yet another Attorney General's reference for us to look at, and while it may not have as much constitutional import as the decision relating to Scottish independence that we covered last time, this judgment does still tell us a lot about devolution and the right to protest. In the same way that last week we looked at a legislative proposal from the Scottish Parliament, this week we are looking at a proposal from the Northern Ireland Assembly. The main difference is that this bill has already been passed and is in fact ready to become law. It is called the Abortion Safe Access Zones Northern Ireland Bill and seeks to protect women who need access to abortion services. One of the problems identified by the Assembly is that abortion clinics are often targets for pro-life protesters. The right to protest is important, but it is also important that women who need access to these buildings feel safe. The compromise in the bill is so-called safe access zones around the clinics where protests are not allowed. In particular, Clause 5.2a makes it a criminal offence, quote, to do an act in a safe access zone with the intent of, or reckless as to whether it has the effect of, influencing a protected person, whether directly or indirectly, end quote. Protected persons in this context includes not only the patients themselves, but those accompanying patients to the clinic, as well as staff who work there. The Northern Ireland Assembly has the power to make legislation by virtue of the Northern Ireland Act 1998, but with certain limitations. One of the limitations is that a bill is outside of the legislative competence of the Assembly if it is incompatible with the European Convention on Human Rights. The Attorney General for Northern Ireland has brought the reference that we are looking at today because of concerns that Clause 52A that we just looked at disproportionately interferes with the rights of protesters. More specifically, it is argued that it disproportionately interferes with freedom of thought, conscience and religion under Article 9, freedom of expression under Article 10, and freedom of assembly under Article 11. The questions were put before the Supreme Court, and that is where we pick things up. Now, before the justices got to the substantive question, there were a couple of preliminary issues to deal with. For a start, it was confirmed that a provision will only be outside of the legislative competence of a devolved assembly if it would give rise to an unjustified interference with convention rights in all or almost all cases. Secondly, the court considered some of the other recent case law in the area of public protest, notably DPP and Ziegler from 2021 and DPP and Kachurian from 2022. It was decided that during a criminal trial, it is not always necessary for a court to assess whether a conviction would be a proportionate interference with the rights of a defendant under Article 9, 10 and 11. Instead, the actual elements of the offence itself can ensure that a conviction will be compatible with the convention, and that can be the case even when there is not a prescribed defence of lawful or reasonable excuse. Whether an interference with a convention right is proportionate is not about fact-finding, but rather a series of legal tests that are applied in a factual context. That brings us to the main question in this case, i.e. 
is Clause 52A outside of the legislative competence of the Northern Ireland Assembly, because it is incompatible with the rights of anti-abortion protesters under the Convention. As a starting point, the restriction on rights would be prescribed by law by virtue of its inclusion in the Bill. Moving on, and the Court held that the clause of the Bill in question does pursue a legitimate aim. As a point of public health, it seeks to ensure that women have access to treatment under conditions of privacy and dignity. Furthermore, it seeks to ensure that staff at the clinics can attend their place of work without being harassed or intimidated. Given that Articles 9, 10 and 11 of the Convention are not absolute rights, these legislative aims fall within the qualifications set out under Articles 9, 10 and 11. Even outside of that, the Court also has to consider the Article 8 rights of patients and staff, as they all have the right to privacy and the right to pursue employment. Those rights place a positive obligation on the Member State, and and that is what Northern Ireland is seeking to facilitate by virtue of the Bill. Finally, it was decided that the restrictions imposed by Clause 52A are proportionate because the aim of the proposal is sufficiently important and the restrictions are not unduly restrictive. Even though the criminal sanction does not include a defence of lawful excuse, it was held that such a defence would have rendered the clause less effective. Now, in reaching this conclusion, the Supreme Court pointed to seven considerations that we can whip through pretty quickly. Number one, the context is a highly sensitive one, where the autonomy of women is especially important. Number two, women who want to access lawful medical treatment should be able to do so in a way that does not diminish their autonomy. Number three, the bill only restricts protests within specified zones, not everywhere. Number four, the patients and staff at the clinic are a captive audience for the protests. Number five, the bill itself seeks to implement the UK's obligations under the Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women. Number six, the maximum penalty for the offence is up to £500. Number seven, in delicate situations like this one, states are granted a wide margin of appreciation. On that basis, it was decided that the clause is within the legislative competence of the Northern Ireland Assembly, and so the bill can proceed to become law. Overall, I think this is a good decision that takes into account both sides of the argument. Emotive issues like this are difficult to adjudicate or even talk about without one side or the other getting upset. No doubt pro-life activists will be upset with the decision, but it is important to remember that their right to protest is not being taken away, it is just being restricted in a proportionate manner. I don't want to focus too much on the actual decision any more than that, but there are a couple of legal points worth picking up in relation to the preliminary issues dealt with by the Supreme Court. As a reminder, the first preliminary issue that we discussed was that a provision of devolved legislation will only be outside of the legislative competence of a devolved legislature if it is, quote, incapable of being applied in a way which is compatible with the convention, whatever the facts may be. Dr Lewis Graham at Wadden College, Oxford, notes that this is in contrast to if the compatibility arises in, say, some or most cases. The justices appear to treat this as a mere confirmation of the law, but in actual fact the statement would appear to give the devolved legislatures more leeway than previously thought. The other preliminary issue was the consideration of recent case law, 
namely the decisions in Ziegler and Kachurian. In this judgment, the Supreme Court affirms the position in Kachurian and rejects the interpretation of Ziegler that suggests all convictions of protesters must be proven as proportionate. They hold that this widespread misunderstanding of Ziegler is wrong. All of this is potentially quite significant because even if there is a trial and Articles 9, 10 and 11 are engaged, then there will not be any need for a separate proportionality exercise if the ingredients of the offence already have questions of proportionality included within them. This highlights the importance of the Attorney General's reference in relation to the Colston 4 case, because that clarified that the rights will not be engaged if the act of protest involves violence or incites violence. Furthermore, the campaign group Justice intervened in the case to argue that when there is a need to carry out an assessment of proportionality, that should be considered by the relevant public body. In the context of a criminal trial, that public body is most commonly a jury, but the Supreme Court has effectively held that a jury should not consider the proportionality of an act of protest. Justice responded to the ruling on Twitter by saying that this has a detrimental effect on legal certainty and will further undermine protests, especially in the light of the Police Crime Sentencing and Courts Act 2022, as well as the proposed Public Order Bill. I think that whether there is such a chilling effect remains to be seen, and it will be interesting to see how the lower courts pick up these legal points. As I mentioned, these are really preliminary points to the main case, and so it could certainly be argued that they are more obiter, and therefore not a binding statement of the law. Nevertheless, this was a unanimous judgment, so it will be quite persuasive. The truth is that when it comes down to protests, whether that is pro-life campaigners outside abortion clinics or just stop oil protesters on the M25, the law is still not massively clear in this area, and this judgment from the Supreme Court only goes some way to clearing it up. The government clearly wants to crack down on protesters as much as possible, but it will ultimately be up to the courts to ensure that a democratic balance is struck. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. Quick reminder before we go that if you would like to support the podcast, and help to keep it ad-free, then you can subscribe to my newsletter and earn yourself some nice perks, including more content from me each week and a free ebook on how to answer essay questions on a law degree. If that sounds like something you're interested in, then check out the link in the description to this podcast episode. Anyway, I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!